going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankees put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Ryan Pike on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, this hour is underway. Flames Talk coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, and welcome to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. Pat Steinberg, Ryan Pike, along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, Pike. Hi, Pat. How are you? I'm well. First appearance of the week for the Pikester. Um... Well, there's been a lot of talk coming out of Tuesday's win over Minnesota. There's been a lot of talk that Jacob Markstrom is back. And I think there's lots to suggest that's true, and we'll get into that. But you know who's not back? You know who has not triumphantly returned? Tyler Toffoli, because he's never been anywhere. He has <laughs> been scoring big goals and driving this team's offense all season long. Tyler Toffoli's not back. Tyler Toffoli's still here. And here he is on this two-game road trip, scoring two huge goals, a game winner with less than seven seconds to go that counts, and a shootout winner in round four that doesn't count on his uh, on his <laughs> stat card, but counts when it comes to getting the Flames two points. Dude's clutch. Dude scores big goals. Dude knows when to finish. He has been their most dangerous player from start to finish all year long. He's been their primary offensive driver, and he got it done again on the road. So I like to, I like to every once in a while, because I think he is extremely underappreciated this year. I like to, I like to give some Tyler Toffoli appreciation when we have the opportunity. He, he's been, he's been Mister Consistency. I mean. He he plays in every game situation. He kills penalties a little bit. He's on the power play. He's you know in a lot of high leverage situations at five on five. He's just he's good and he's he knows he's a veteran who knows what he's good at and knows what he's not as good at. And they put in, him in situations to, to succeed. And he's he's largely succeeded in those situations. I think it's hard to really have much to say critically about him because he's been so consistent right when they need like for a team you know the the, the two things that Daryl Sutter always says after these you know the the interminable one goal games are oh they needed a big goal they needed a big save well they the big saves have been you know variable throughout the season to say to be charitable but the big goals have more often than not been off his stick Tyler Tavoli's just been good for them he's been as advertised since getting here save for about a 16 or 17 game run where he struggled down the stretch last regular season. He's been as advertised since they brought him in. And there had been a hue and cry for quite some time for the flames to go get Tyler Toffoli. Um, he had been on the radar, I think for them and certainly for us on the outside had been on the radar for quite some time. Uh, going back to when Vancouver acquired him at the 2020 trade deadline, going back to when Montreal signed him in 2020 free agency. And then obviously when the flames acquired him on Valentine's day last year and he is, as I say, as advertised. I don't know if there's a guy who's been more as advertised. So Tyler Toffoli leads the team in all strengths, points per 60. So he is their most productive player in all situations. 
Uh, he also leads them in goals per 60, so he is their most consistent goal scorer in all situations, and he sits fourth in assists per 60. So he has been, when you count in power play and shorthanded minutes, he has been one of their most productive players. When it comes to five-on-five, he is number three in points per 60 behind Dubé and Lindholm, and he is number three in goals per 60. Uh, I guess in terms of current players, number two, if you count Walker Dewar. Otherwise, for full-on regulars, he's number one in five-on-five goals per 60. Plain and simple, this guy has been the most consistent offensive player on the team in every situation all year long. You use him in every spot. You use him as, I love the term you use, you use him in high leverage spots in every situation. He's one of your top killers. He's one of your top power play players. He's one of your top five-on-five players. He's doing it all for less than $5 million on his AAV. And for for all the hue and cry that was out there about (laughs) why Tyler Toffoli is on this team's top line, I think that's been put to bed because I don't know if there's been a more important player on this team this year than number 73. Yeah. And for, you know, if, if you're, you, you, you and I, Pat, are both lovers of the entry draft. If you're going to give up a first round pick, this is A, the type Bingo. of player you want to give up a pick for. And B, the, you know, two, he had two years and, uh, and change left in his contract when they traded for him. Uh, a late first in 2022 probably won't even turn pro until his contract is up. So, I mean, that's just if if for for what the Flames have needed, for what the Flames paid to get him and for for what he's allowed them to do, he's just been full marks. I it's again, it's hard to be critical of him as a player because he does so many good things and the things he doesn't do well, he's not asked to do. So, I think you know he's he's been you know what 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 are your criticisms? Oh, he he's not a center. Well, he doesn't play, he doesn't take a lot of faceoffs. Well, yeah, but he's not fast. Although he was fast enough on Monday night when they needed that, him to be. I I would say that that'd be the best way to describe him. He's you know is he the most elite offensive player you know in you know the Flames have ever had? No, but he's good enough. He's he's just he's good enough in every situation that he's been able to be a difference maker. And he's again he's so aware of himself and what he can and can't do and more importantly he's aware of what other guys in the ice are doing what they can't what you know how situations unfold and that awareness allowed him to case in point the the goal against uh, Dallas in the his 6.2 seconds left he found a gap and he yeah. found a gap because he noticed that no one was really paying attention to him and you know Good, good pass by Huberdo, but good, uh, good awareness and good execution. Well, he he sees a low percentage shot coming in, or lo- was it a shot or like a shot pass? I don't know exactly what the Dallas defenseman was trying to do there. It was a silly, silly decision, but to fully read it like a book, he said, "Okay, that's not the that's not the situation you want to make in a tie game. Uh, I'm going to exploit this." So I don't want to say he flew the zone, but he saw an opportunity and he started to go and Huberdo made the right play, got in the lane, blocked it. And next thing you know, it's up on a Toffoli stick. And, and he, as I said, he was fast enough there. I like, if you heard him describe it, I also, a really good example of how smart Toffoli is because I think that's his number one attribute. He's got a great shot. He is very good around the net. But I think his number one attribute is the way that he thinks the game and the way that he anticipates. He's just got a really high hockey IQ. And so he read that play and he looked up at the clock. He said, yeah, I looked up. I saw I had enough time to do exactly what I wanted to do. 
and he did it. He went upstairs on Ottinger and won the hockey game. And then that's the last point is that we're talking about a guy who's, what, 30, 30 31 years old? Yeah, I think so. He's, he's one of the two. Um, and now I want to be accurate, so I'm just <laughs> going to go type it in. He's 30 years old. Uh, he'll turn 31 in just over a month. He's uh, an April birthday. Ooh. So we're talking about a 30-year-old who's a Stanley Cup winner, who has plenty of playoff. He's played 88 NHL playoff games, including the 12 he got into with the Flames last year. He is the type of guy that I just try to put myself in Daryl Sutter's shoes as the head coach and just think to myself, I don't think you ever have any hesitation throwing Tyler Toffoli over the boards. In any point in a game, does not matter the stakes of the game, the stakes of the moment, you're just throwing 73 out there because you know exactly what you're going to get. And so if there's one person who's not surprised that Tyler Toffoli finished at a key time on Monday night and finished on a round four shootout game winner opportunity on Tuesday night, I, I can tell you Daryl Sutter's the least surprised of all of us because that's what he's used to. It's what he's used to going back to their time together on the Kings. And I just I I think it's important every once in a while to appreciate just how good this guy has been since Brad and and the Flames acquired him. And I think it's one of Brad Living's best acquisitions, best trades uh on the job. The I, I put it there. I think there's three that that are kind of the the trifecta for me. There's the Carolina trade, there's the first Dougie trade, and there's this one. Those are the three that I think are, are without question, the best three trades that we've seen Brad to living make. I, I very much agree. And, you know, especially, you know, trades, you, you don't try to, to, to grift the other side. You're trying to give fair value. And those three trades, I think all organizations involved got what they wanted to get out of those deals. And I think, you know, if you're, his trading partners, if you're Boston, if you're Carolina, if you're the Montreal Canadiens, I think you look at being on the other side of the trades and go, oh, good that the guys are succeeding. We feel like we got what we wanted out of them too. And yep. that's the hallmark of a good trade because yep. the small league, and if you're trying to pull one over on guys, pretty soon you're not going to have anyone to trade with. Uh, a few texts. This says no one on this team has been given a better and more consistent opportunity than Toffoli either. With that said, he's only had three or four games in a row where he's disappeared, but veterans like him get a much longer leash with Daryl. Well, yes, but when you compare him to some of the other veterans on this team, I would put, so the veterans on this team, like the the, the big-time veterans on this team would be Kadri, Huberdeau, Toffoli, Lindholm, Backlund, Coleman, and then... Lewis? Lewis. Top he's nine. More a, he's top more of a role guy. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a veteran for sure, uh, And but I think Lewis has been right up there as one of the most consistent guys for what he's asked to do. I just, when you take a look at the forward veterans, top nine forward veterans, other than Backlund and Coleman who have been together basically all year long, I don't know if there is a, a more consistent guy than Toffoli. He's been, and, and for a guy that is here to drive the offense, Huberto inconsistent, Kadri inconsistent, especially of late, and Lindholm inconsistent based on what he is capable of. So, yeah, <laughs> this text says, was that Rizichka that texted you? No, I don't think I don't think that it was Adam Rizichka who texted in, but I don't what's know for the, what's sure. What's the area code? It's a 403, so I don't think it's him. 
Uh, and this says, Backlund, for my money, has been the team's MVP, but Toffoli's also right up there. Without a doubt, the most pleasant surprise for me, didn't expect him to lead the team in points, which he absolutely does, and so many of those points have been really, I'm, really well-timed, important-timed points as well. I, I'm sure Pat uh, will take umbrage with anyone suggesting Backlund for uh, MVP of anything. I, I I just I think don't like that guy. I I, I think no time we, for Michael. Backlund. If, if if you want to tell me that uh, Backlund's been the most consistent player in terms of two hundred foot play, oh yeah, hundred 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 percent, seven days a week, I'll I'll accept that. In terms of being an offensive difference maker, though, I'd have to I'd have to lean towards Toffoli. I think they're both right up there. Toffoli's analytics have been fairly strong, um, all things considered. Yeah, he's been he's been a really good player for him this year. So I just wanted to do a little Tyler Toffoli appreciation off the top. Speaking of Jacob Markstrom being back, though, uh, boy, he's been good since coming in against Boston. He's now played 10 and a bit periods, and he's a 929 in his last five appearances, starting with him relieving Dan Vladar against the Bruins. And that's... That's a it's a small sample size, I grant you that, but it's his best run of the year without question. And this is a this is a big deal for both the short term and their attempt to make the playoffs and the long term when it comes to their attempt to bounce back and be better next year. And regardless if they make it, if the only positive thing that happens between now and the end of the season is that Jacob Markstrom is their best player, that is a massive positive going into next season because they're yeah. the the attempt is going to be to be a competitive team again next year. And if they want to succeed at that, they need Jacob to get his game back. And if he can get it back in the final quarter of the season, I think that that has the potential to pay off huge next year, whether they're playing postseason hockey or not. Yeah. And you know, we remember the, the bubble season, the, the fanless 2020, 2021 season, the season of the damned where, Nothing seemed to go right, and the only thing that really happened to note was the Flames hired Daryl Sutter for the last 30 games, and when the the team was very much out of it, Daryl just came in and started making tweaks and figuring the team out and trying to get them out of their funk. And the 30 Watch games the 30 games they spent uh, tinkering with the team and figuring them out, I think played a, a big part in the 21-22 uh, division winning season, you know, it didn't finish the way they wanted to, but I don't think they would have been nearly that good had that previous 30 games not been as productive. So if you're the Flames, you know, the goal one is to try to make the playoffs this year. Goal two, if you can't make the playoffs this year, and even if you can, you want to set yourself up for success next year. And yes. part of that, we've seen some of that with, you know, uh, the Flames really figuring out what Jacob Pelche can add to their team. Another big thing they've done is, you know, just handing the reins a bit to Markstrom and saying, let's figure this out. And he's, he's, you know, since the beginning of March, a fantastic goaltending. You know, four starts. You know, uh, nine thirty six save percentage. The only thing that will make give people pause, like once again, still not a lot of run support. I think he, they've gotten except the or, Dallas game. Except the Dallas game. Even including the Dallas game, though, they've only scored I think six or seven goals in four games with them in net. Uh, well, in the four starts, they scored one against Toronto, zero against Minnesota, four and zero. So yeah. They- Five goals in those four yeah. games. And e- Sorry, e- six goals. Sorry, yeah. five against Dallas. Five plus yeah. one is six, Pat. Yeah. Um, six, so yeah, six, six goals in four games, four starts. Yeah. So, I mean, Markstrom can't score the goals for him. Only Lyons Elmar can do that this year. But, I mean, if 
if you're trying to figure out your team and you're trying to set yourself up for success this this season and into the future, figuring out Markstrom's mojo is priority one, and it looks like it's headed in the right direction. Yeah, uh, good on him. And I I don't I'm not ready to proclaim that Markstrom's back and he's figured it out, but it's trending that direction, and that's a very encouraging sign at, for the play. at the very least. He's had a good week and. Let's be blunt. When was the last time we came on here and said, "Damn, Markstrom had a heck of a week." It's been a while, so I think I think it's it's worth it's worth celebrating if he has a good fortnight, a good month, and then I think then I think he might be back. Well done on the fortnight. What a stupid term! Just a term. Just say no. I love it. I just love all words that British people use. On a fortnight's time, that and. Uh, to, to, how, tonight's how, the penultimate game, just second last. How, how come there's no weird like British term for three weeks? Like we have week, fortnight, month, and then I don't. Yeah, we where's have, three we, weeks? Yeah, I think this is. Uh, we got to have some talks with the with the king and come up with some better better verbiage Yo, for length king, of time. Sit down, bud. Let's uh, just write a strongly worded letter, Buckingham Palace. Yeah, I don't. I don't quite like. Just say two weeks. A fortnight, like uh, they do it on F one all the time, and I'm like, why are you like? Why I know that it's very British, but like, what a stupid term! <laughs> it's two weeks. I don't get it. But they also weigh themselves in stone, so I I don't know. I, I, hey, they, if, they do if, some, they do some weird things over in our and, in our and, motherland. And anyone who doesn't want to feel uh, self conscious about your weight, start start weighing yourself in stone. It's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. I weigh that. That's awesome. Um, I, I want to read you this text. Says Pat Markstrom standing on his head and finding his game would definitely be a big positive moving forward. The other big revelation is Pelche. He's a top six forward without a doubt. Hopefully, management and Sutter will be more open minded to bringing some of the young guns from the Wranglers up. And that is the next place I wanted to go with you, Pike, because you want. We just did some Tyler to Foley appreciation. You wanted to do a little, whoa, there goes the chair. Uh, you just wanted to do a little J, uh, Jacob Pelche appreciation. Well, we, on the last hour, we had Wes, uh, and, you know, Wes did a, a great piece talking to uh, Pelche's teammates just about how much of a bundle of energy he is and how, how positive he is. If you get a chance to watch a Flames game, especially live, but even on television, just watch Pelche and the details in his game because everywhere he's gone, coaches love this kid. And the reason why they love him is he's consistent and he gets this, the little things in his game to such a high level. He just he just gets those little things. He's first in on the four check. He's really he's one of those guys. You know the on the power play. He's there battling with three guys in the slot, and he he's created goals for his teammates just by you know trying to create havoc. He's you know first he's throwing body checks despite the fact that he is very generously listed by the league at 170 pounds. Like he's you know we we. I, I had a long chat for another project with uh, Todd Button, uh, the Flames head amateur scout. When are we get to talk about that other project? Uh, probably in the summer. Okay. Uh, but I had a long chat with him, and we talked about sort of. Damn it, Pike. We talked about small players, and he's like, "Well, you know, there's a lot of small guys that don't play small." He, the, the 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 key guy the Flames always bring up when they talk about small guys who aren't small is uh, obviously Andrew Mangiapane, because Andrew Mangiapane he 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 forechecks like you owe money. Like he's he's hmm. he's there. He's trying to basically you know beat you up, steal your wallet, get his money back, and then, you know, set up a goal. That's kind of the way Pelche plays. And Pelche, granted, he's not as big as Mangiapane, but he has that same level of sort of urgency to his game. And that that kind of that kind of urgency. I mean, the the in the uh, the Dallas game, one play that he made 
it was sort of a nothing play, but it ended up turning into something nice. Uh, Toffoli was trying to set him up for a uh, for a, for a pass. Uh, Pelche was was you know cutting through the the main lane towards the front of the net, and Dallas just swatted the pass out of the way. They 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 could see Toffoli was trying to do it. They're like, no, you're not you're not doing this thing, and they swatted it out of the way. But Pelche chased the puck down, and he before he went for a line change, he just hucked it behind the net instead of just you know doing something silly with it. He didn't try to do too much. He threw it behind the net. He knew Toffoli was forechecking. The 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 uh, the stars coughed up the puck behind the net and led to a Rasmus Anderson goal. Just a little a little thing that he did snowballed and that's basically his whole game his whole game is a lot of little things done well that just accumulate over the course of uh games and you know we we've saw Daryl Sutter Daryl Sutter said i believe it was before the uh the Dallas game i think the phrasing he used talking to uh to Flames TV was you know uh Jacob has been good everywhere we put him and yeah, he's been good everywhere they put him. Yeah. And I think especially, A, it bodes very well for, for Jacob's uh, future. He was, you know, very ordinary in the Flames training camp this uh, this past fall. But he's been, you know, if not extraordinary, v- extraordinarily consistent in the things he does since he's been called up. But also, if you're, if you're say, a Matt Coronado, just to throw out a name, and you're thinking, I wonder, I wonder if I want to keep playing college hockey or if I want to maybe try my hand at the pro, how, how are the Flames handling young guys? The Flames, you know, if you want to criticize how the Flames use the youngsters early on, yeah, I think that's probably valid criticism. But I think you also have to give them credit for, A, using Pelche, and B, really giving him a chance to show what he can do. And I think if you're Coronado and you're thinking, yeah, I want to probably get in some games, getting a sense of how Pelche has been used, especially in the last month where he's been given a lot of responsibilities and a lot of, you know, he's been rewarded. He's been given some power play time, but he's also been, you know, asked to sort of be a spark for a lot of different lines and it's largely worked. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a good start. I mean, 19 games, we've, we've seen plenty of Flames prospects, especially high end prospects in this, in this town have a good 20, 25 games and then disappear into the ether. But Pelche, he, he seems like he's set, setting himself up for a, a good, uh, 22, 23 season at the very least. Well, 23, 24 season at the very least. Well, and, and, I don't. It's funny. We started this. We started this hour talking about Toffoli. They're they're different players. They have different strengths, but the similarities in the two players are they're not blessed with the like. They don't have the the toolbox necessarily that other guys do. That just naturally are are NHL like elite NHLers. They don't have. They're not. They're not yeah. elite skaters. They're like you know that you know what I'm saying. Like they don't. They don't have those. Toffoli's yeah. got a great shot. I think that that would be the one area that he is elite in. He is a great outside but, but finisher. You, you mentioned like he's he's fast enough, but he doesn't have what the what the the scouts would call great boots. He doesn't have terrible boots. He's he's got he doesn't have amazing separation speed, but he's fast enough. Uh, I I think the thing I like about Pelche is he's so aware of what's going on and what other guys are doing and what could develop and what is developing. And I think Toffoli has that attribute too. Toffoli is just, he's such a smart player. And I think if you're smart and you do a lot of small things, well, you're really going to have success. Well, because... And you do those small things well, cause you're, cause you are smart. Like you, yeah. you get the details of the game. Daryl Sutter's brand of hockey is so detail oriented and his, brand of hockey appeals and and is played best by those who think it at a high level. It's kind of why I still believe there's hope for Jonathan Huberto because one of his main strengths is how well he thinks it. 
I still think that there is hope that Huberdo adapts in a much better way to what Daryl wants this team to do. But I think it's why I think it's why Pelche has worked. I think it's why Toffoli has always been such a good fit because of their high hockey IQ. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, and I I think you know it's it won't shock you, Pat. That's one of the main things the Flames really look for when they when they uh, do their amateur scouting. They look for compete. They look for high ceiling, but they look for guys who can think the game well and. Granted, I, that's so. I think that of the things that sets you up for success, I think that's the thing you can't succeed without. But I also think it's the toughest thing to to figure out who has and who doesn't have it mm-hmm. when the guys are seventeen, eighteen. Which is, I guess, why amateur scouting for every team, not just the Flames, can be kind of a crapshoot. Um. Okay, so they've won two after losing five. They're four out of a playoff spot. They have seventeen games to go. They've got Nashville and Winnipeg that they're kind of contending with for that final playoff spot as it stands right now. I don't know how many other teams are truly in reach just because of Colorado's situation and how many games in hand they have. It feels like Winnipeg, Nashville are the teams that they're in this fight with, and there's one spot available there. Are you feeling any differently about Calgary's playoff chances after these two wins than you were coming out of Saturday's loss against Minnesota? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that two wins are better than two losses, but you know the the, the calendar and the math are both still kind of working against them. Uh, they're going to need to continue to go on, on a run. I think you're they're going to need to really probably rattle off five or six wins in a row and then get a little bit of help. But I think you know if they, if they can take advantage of the schedule they have coming up, you know they got Anaheim, they got Ottawa, they have a few other teams that I think are quote-unquote winnable games, but I think at this point, the Flames, you know, they can't be choosy about how they're getting their points or where they're getting them. I think they just have to, you know, as the cliche goes, take it one game at a time and try not to uh, to leave too many things up to chance or leave things on the vine because, you know, underperforming in those kind of situations against, you know, it's the the, the, the proverbial Wednesday night games against Nashville and, and you know, uh, and Minnesota, getting zero from those games is kind of why they're in the situation they're in. Yeah, it's... um. I'm feeling better about it, less because of the fact they've won the two games and more because of what I've seen from Markstrom uh, and, and the 929 he's posted in the last five games. That's why I'm feeling better about it. They still remain on the back foot because Winnipeg still controls this whole thing. It's all about what the Jets do. Yes, they've got a tougher schedule than Calgary, and maybe that plays into it. But right now, Winnipeg is the team that truly holds destiny in their hands, and so the Jets are the one in the driver's seat. Calgary can do all they can to maybe rattle the Jets in that driver's seat and eventually take it over. But right now, Winnipeg still controls this thing. I don't think Winnipeg scuffles for the rest of the season. They are right now, but crazier things have happened. But because Markstrom is playing the way that he's playing, at least I feel like there's a decent shot they can make this interesting. I don't know if I was feeling that as confidently coming out of the Minnesota game, but what I've seen from Jacob in the three games including that loss and the two games since feeling a little bit better about it. But to your point, they can, they they can't afford any more of the off nights or the, as I knock my mic almost over to the other side of the room, they, they can't afford the Chicago's and Detroit's and Columbus's coming in and giving them the trouble that they've, they've lost. They've lost games to Columbus in regulation. They've lost both games against Chicago so far. They've lost both games against Detroit so far. They can't afford. They've got 
Arizona coming up. They've got Ottawa coming up. They've got Anaheim in their next game. These are, these are, they're not even must wins in the typical sense. It's just, they are can't loses. You yep. can't be losing yep. those anymore if you want to give yourself a shot. Yeah, and you know, Derek mentioned on the roundtable just the idea. You know, I'll, I'll give Derek a lot of credit for this this observation. The, the the Dallas game and the Minnesota game, especially Dallas, you blow a pair of two goal leads. You're you're tied with however many minutes left in regulation, however many seconds left in regulation. You find a way to win. You get you know generally outplayed by a pretty good Minnesota team. It was even very close to even for the first two periods. And then the third period, Flames ran out of gas. Yep. And then it was the Markstrom show. Those are two games the Flames probably would have lost a month ago Absolutely. or even a week ago. It's cool to see the flip, the script flipped a little bit. Yeah. But if they, if they want to, if they want to keep, keep, uh, keep their hopes alive, that's got to become the norm. It can't be a, oh, that's kind of nice. The Flames managed to figure out a way to win. The expectation is, okay, you're, you're playing for your lives. Every, every game now is the quote unquote biggest game of the season. Every game you're playing is game seven against Dallas from now on. So you got to figure out ways to get points wherever you can get them. It's uh, Pike and Steinberg with you. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio this hour. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's George Russick. And Matty Rose. We host the big show with Russick and Rose. If you miss us weekday mornings on Sportsnet 960 to fan, first of all, shame on you. Second of all, download the podcast on demand. So many places that you can find the podcast wherever you get your favorite NHL, NFL, CFL, MLB, the stories that sports fans in Calgary want to hear. We got it for you. We are the big show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, let's go inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op. The beer tastes better when it's bought from the place that cheers for your team. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. Steinberg, and uh, it's a Wednesday, which means we spin you around the Pacific and check in with our buddy Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us inside hockey on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now. Hello, JD. How we doing? I'm doing well. You? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And uh, it's it's been a uh, fun one last night, there, Pat. What's that? A fun one last night. Yeah, for for a 65 minute game with no goals, I actually was was pretty entertained by it. It was um, kind of one of those. It had a playoff like slugfest feel to it, where you felt like every every puck battle and every chip off the boards and every pursuit to get the puck back, all that type of stuff. It, it, it had that type of feel. It, it didn't have the. It's, it's not playoff intensity, but it it felt like all the little things mattered against Minnesota for the Flames. Yeah, they sure did. And your goalie is back. I mean that's. Two really good back-to-back performances from Archer. Really nice to see for a guy that is, I'm sure this has got to have been eating at him, you know, this, this entire season. But, hey, you know, nice, nice time to get hot. And uh, that guy who wears that 73 jersey loves this time of the year. Yep, and uh, both guys have been really good of late. Good on the trip. Markstrom's put together four really solid starts in a row. So uh, good news on that front. Um, okay, so the Flames are currently number five in the Pacific Division. They're likely going to stay number five in the Pacific, and, and most likely their best road is going to be a wild card spot. But let's let's spin you around the Pacific and, and get the latest, and we'll start in Los Angeles, who 
look, JD, you've you've been kind of, I'm trying to think of the right word, you've been very cautious about what the Kings are for most of this year. You've pointed a lot to their goal differential, but all of a sudden, they're they're not just fighting for top spot in the division, they're fighting for top spot in the conference right now. They are, and there's no reason why I, I said it on, I was on Boys on Internet with Radio, you know, not too long ago, and I said to them, there's no reason why they can't win the conference. And I'm not, you know, or at least make it to the conference final. So they they added two pieces that this roster was sorely missing, a legitimate goalie. And, and you know, look, Steve uh, Copley has been really good. I mean, all he's done is win. I mean, 20 wins, so maybe not to play a legitimate goalie. But they got themselves much more established goalie. And then, you know, I said all along, I, I never thought that Jacob Chicken was the right fit on the left side for this team that it was a guy like Gavrikov. And he's been, you know, in his couple of games that he's played, uh, he has not worked out of place whatsoever. And to score a goal as well, that, that's an added bonus. But, you know, they they improved. I mean, they, they really improved their team. And, uh, and the schedule is very, very favorable for them, Pat. I think, they, you know, they've got Colorado tomorrow. I think they've only got one of those playoff teams, maybe two in their next, uh, seven games or so. I mean, they, they, you know, they've won nine in a row versus teams that are currently not in the playoffs. And that's what you have to do. you got to beat up on the teams that you should beat up on and hope that you go 500 against the really good teams you know, right. to get yourself a, a good spot a good in the playoffs. Um. It's funny because you mentioned uh, you mentioned the trade that brought in Corpusalo and Gavrikov, and and surprisingly, part of that trade was Jonathan Quick, who was quickly flipped flipped to the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, and uh, Jonathan made his debut this week against Montreal. Yeah, and you know, for two periods, he was really good. And in the third period, I I, I would say that the, the two of the three goals, the first two goals, were ones that you know. And I think we need to reconnect with uh, Jonathan Davis uh, right in the middle of his uh, synopsis of Jonathan Quick. We'll get back to J.D. in just a second as we continue along here this hour of Flames Talk. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights have had goaltending issues all year with Logan Thompson being hurt, and we don't know whether or not he's going to be back uh, in the very near future. You know, Laurent Brassois has battled injuries. Aiden Hill, who we're going to get to in just a second, has been very good for them and helped stabilize. Uh, pick up, uh, we got Jonathan Davis back from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. J.D., pick up where you were on, on Jonathan Quick. Maybe even just start from the beginning on his debut earlier this week against Montreal. Yeah, well, I think the Quick family was probably not happy with, you know, I mean, questioning a couple of the goals that he scored on him. But, sure, they get themselves – look, it, Jonathan Quick was really good for, for two periods. And in the third period, not so good. And it was very reminiscent of some of the, his starts in Los Angeles where, you know, there, like, I, there's a goal that you would – I would say one of the three goals is one of those. I'm not putting on Jonathan Quick, but that, that happened a lot in Los Angeles. At the end of the day, he stopped 25 or 28 shots. They got to win, and, and you know, but the, the numbers aren't great. But the most important thing is, is that he got to win, and I think that that was very significant for Jonathan Quick. It was significant for the Golden Knights because you know they go out and embark on a four-game road trip, and I'm sure that you know he doesn't want to go on a plane with his new team, you know, sporting an L in his first start. So I thought, you know, all in all, uh, it was good. 
Aiden Hill's been outstanding. I heard you talking about him before I, I, I came back here, Pat. And, uh, you know, he has been really good. Uh, I've been, you know, I've said that you can't, I, I don't envision hoisting a Stanley Cup with Aiden Hill. Um, I've been corrected by, by some members of the Golden Knights organization that, you know, he's been really good. And, if, and, and that game last night against Florida, uh, he was really good to fight a 2-1 loss. Uh, so their goaltending has been good. Uh, and when they get Logan Thompson back and when they get, you know, uh, you know, if they get the wrong squad back, they'll, they'll be in a, in a good spot. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where, we'll see where it all goes. But, I mean, look, Vegas played really well. They played, you know, that was their first regulation loss, I think, or maybe their second in what, 13 or 14 games. So uh, the numbers have been really good for Vegas. Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, you know who else has been a really good fit? How about uh, how about Ivan Barbashev? Yeah, I mean that, that the game against uh, Montreal was you know this is it was very typical Barbashev and Bruce Cassidy talked about it after the game. I mean he scored two goals from probably combined ten feet from the net, and Jack Eichel really enjoyed having uh, Barbashev alongside him. And the other guy is Jonathan Marchessault. It's been a really good fit um, for the Golden Knights. So yeah, Barbashev is, uh, you know, he's up on the top line. Uh, he doesn't look out of place. Uh, you know, I, I can remember, you know, Barbashev in the playoffs against Colorado, and I'm sure Kale McCarr and the Avalanche uh, fans will remember it as well. I mean, he he's, he's a tough guy to play against. So yeah, uh, that was a, a good ad by by Kelly McCrimmon and company. Um, okay, uh, we're chatting with Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division Insider, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. The uh, Seattle Kraken, um, I know there have been many waiting for them to fall off. They don't seem like that's going to happen. No, it doesn't. And, and I'll tell you, the, the game against Colorado uh, a couple of nights ago, I mean, it was Sunday night, was one of the more entertaining hockey games I've watched this season. Uh, back and forth, great goaltending on both sides. You know, and, and Philip Brubauer did just an outstanding job against his former team on Sunday. And that's the second time they beat Colorado. Uh, ironically, both of their both of their wins this year against the Avs are in Colorado. All their games in Colorado have been one goal games. They don't look out of place against this team. And you know, up and down the lineup, it, it, they just Pat, they, they just don't beat themselves too often. They really, it, it's very impressive, and, and they can roll four lines. They don't have that game break. Well, I guess I guess Jared McCann is a they're the game breaker. They've got a thirty-one goal scorer in Jared McCann, but not the first guy you think of be a game breaker. But they also have what I think ten players uh, or more with, with ten or more goals this year. So we've talked about it all year long. They've got they've got the depth scoring, uh, and you know I thought they would add, they didn't. Uh, but they yeah, they they, don't, they they just I said, do you believe in what they're in what this team is selling? I'm buying it. Yeah. It's been uh, it's been really neat to see what the Seattle Kraken have been able to do. Um, in Edmonton, we're looking ahead to a very marquee showdown on Saturday. It's uh, the Maple Leafs and Oilers again. And uh, I, I guess if you're a Maple Leafs fan, because a lot of Maple Leafs fans do not like it when you say Connor McDavid's better than Austin Matthews. He is. But... This time you're hoping that maybe Matthews puts up a little bit more of a fight head-to-head against Connor. Well, 
don't know, Pat. You watched the game when they when they played in Edmonton. A I I did. I did. It wasn't close. Did, did you see thirty four on the ice at all? Uh, I think I I think I that I I think it's confirmed he did get out there. Um, but it was not a uh, it was not a contest. It was really disappointing. Yeah, it was very disappointing. So look, at the end of the day, look, does it mean anything? Not not you know to the fans it does. Uh, I was just disappointed. I, I thought that we would get a better showing, and I kind of, you know, I kind of wonder, you know, what's been going on with the Maple Leafs as they, you know, uh, they, they try to figure out who's going to play with who. Now, some of that decision's been made easier by the injury of Ryan O'Reilly and and, and John Tavares. Uh, the game last night against New Jersey was a polar opposite of the effort they had, you know, against Edmonton. Uh, you know, I, I kind of wonder if, if Matthews is, is putting has been putting things on cruise control because. He's tired of building up numbers one to games one through eighty two, and he's getting himself ready for eighty three and beyond. So, uh, but I, I don't know. I, I just thought you know we've got the potential of hockey night in Canada. It's McDavid and Matthews. Um, I'm hoping that maybe that that'll the juice is flowing for Edmonton. You know, look, they got the player that uh, the type of player in Ekholm that just really helps to slot the rest of that blue line in a, in a better spot. Yeah. You know, they, they've needed a player like that for, for quite some time. And, yeah, they lose a guy like Tyson Berry, who's, you know, who's very popular in that room. But what a huge upgrade they, they got on the blue line. And if you, if you can't upgrade in gold, then upgrade on your blue line. And hopefully, Pat, that will limit the opportunities that you're, you know, the, the grade A opportunities that your goalies are going to have. Finally, I, I just wanted to finish off by highlighting a new rivalry in the NHL, and that would be the San Jose Sharks <laughs> and uh, referee Gord Dwyer, because that, that's, over the last, for the last week or so, that's been quite, um, that's been quite the interesting feud that's been building. Yeah, you know, look, I thought it, I thought it was over after the game on Saturday night. Me you know, too! And Dave, yeah, I mean, David Quinn, you know, apologized, and said, you know, said all the right things, and then here we are, you know, Tuesday night and or or Monday, uh, Tuesday night. Today's uh, Monday. Today's Wednesday. Tuesday night. It's Gord Dwyer. You know, uh, getting an earful from from Eric Carlson, who can't believe that no, that there's no high signal penalty as he's you know dripping blood. Uh, you know, put Jeff Merrick to shame. You know, complaining about a little shaving cut. I mean, this guy got some lumber, you know, in the chops, and you know. Uh, I don't know. I, I just think optically, it's it's not a good look that it's it's the same guy. You know, look, this call's happened. It happened to Vince Dunn. You know, last night in the or yeah, last night I think it was in the Seattle Anaheim game. It happens. It just doesn't look good when it's the same ref two games in a row. Yeah, I, I you know, yeah, I, I don't know where it goes. I don't I don't want to make more of it, but the optics just aren't very good. They aren't, and uh, by the way, uh, David Quinn on this Wednesday has been fined $25,000 for that um, Saturday uh, tirade that he yeah, went on. It took so long. And it's, it's strange that it, it's Wednesday and the game was Saturday and they just came up with the monetary hit now, but it's twenty five k for David Quinn for his... Yeah. You could read every... Uh, you did not need subtitles for what was coming out of his no. mouth. That was... He uh, very very easy lips to read on Saturday. Hopefully, uh, your, yeah, your kids was, didn't it, see it. It was thoroughly entertaining. Uh, it, it was. It, it actually, you know, he he rivaled Bruce Boudreaux in you know in that HBO. Show. Yeah, he sure did. Good. <laughs>
Uh, get out of here, man. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk right. again next week. All right. Be well, Pat. You too. Uh, Jonathan Davis, NHL Network, NHL Network Radio. He's our Pacific Division insider. Lots of stuff happen, uh, happening inside this division, and he's our guest inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op. Cal and Gary's is the only family of products curated for the taste of Calgarians, and you'll only find them at Calgary Co-op. Uh, thank you to Mr. Pike. Uh, Pike wrapping up with us this hour. Thank you to Cam and Taylor, our producers. As this hour wraps up, it's been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Be be proactive in protecting your property. Get a full security audit from Calgary Lock and Safe. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.